0: Welcome
1: to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast.
2: Guys, thank you very much for making time for this. I know it's a, a busy night for you, so I really appreciate you joining me tonight on the eve of the release of your new EP. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Well, so I guess tell us about the EP. You know it's coming out in hours. I guess it's just
0: technically one
2: song left. <laughs> one song left and then the At entire record has been released. Well, you really, um, you, you really undersold it. Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, you got you to gotta undersell it these days
1: <laughs> um, Well, yeah, so the album, the album technically drops at 9 uh, o'clock tonight And over the course of the year, we've been progressively releasing this album As uh, a succession of EPs And so we're rounding out the final EP And putting it into a collection of all the music Which is Echo, which is out tonight
2: well, I, I know you've gotten this question a lot, but I, I'm curious. Tell me about the strategy of doing that rather than, you know, the traditional sort of album release cycle that people would have done in the past.
0: Um, well, we've talked about wanting to release EPs or release an album in the form of EPs for like several records now. Um and when we signed with Sharptone, they were actually pretty excited about the idea of just releasing music, you know, every few weeks throughout the course of the year. And it also it, it gave us sort of a little bit more I feel like creative freedom in a way to sort of work on smaller projects and maybe push the boundaries a little bit on, you know, something like an EP that doesn't necessarily freak your whole audience out. If you do something that's radically different, but yeah. And then, you know, the joy of being able to work with somebody like Derek Hess on a multitude of EPs rather than just, you know, sitting on songs for a year and a half and then, you know, just one piece of art for the, uh, for the album or whatever.
2: So were these songs all, were they all written and recorded ahead of time or were they kind of done as they were released or how, how's that go?
0: Oh, uh, no, we just worked one EP at a time. And for the most part, the songs were released pretty close to chronologically how we wrote them, give or take a couple.
2: Got it. And t- so do you feel like that was, or I guess, well, how, how does that compare to what you're talking about before of kind of having a year and a half or two years where you've got to do this one big thing, having done it this way now, how do you feel about the difference in the creative process?
0: Uh, I think it was definitely more work than we anticipated. <laughs> Just trying to, to organize everything. I don't know. What do you think, Tino?
1: Um, I feel like it, we were able to compartmentalize a lot more and be able to write in a bit more of like a stream of consciousness way, because with it being like, and at this point it's, we've all know that it's been weird times. You know what I mean? Like we're still, did something happen we as far as like for lockdown and everything, when everything had been shut down and we
2: lockdown down, this is news to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, it's the same story that we all had, but with touring taken off the table and a lot of unknown, more than known, what we knew was writing music. So we kind of turned to that and, being newly with sharp tone, we were kind of like, well, how are we going to like, keep, keep the conversation with our audience going during a time where none of us know what's going on with anything other than we know that we can be here at home and write songs and work on music and, and do that. and, And we'll even produce it ourselves. And, you know, if all the studios are shut down, we'll record it all ourselves. And we really like, I guess, challenged ourselves to come through with, Some very like authentic us music that then was kind of like, yeah, let's keep the communication going. Let's keep releasing these EPs. Let's keep releasing these songs because as Aaron said, it almost happened as they were being released was kind of chronologically how we were writing them and kind of how we were, I guess, experiencing life, which then translates into our art.
2: Did you change anything I don't know if it's not based on feedback necessarily, but is there anything that you think you did differently based on like say on EP number three, based on what happened with EP number one?
1: No. Well, maybe to a certain extent, but I think with each EP, like we think of it kind of like how it was kind of told, uh, I guess as it was released as like the first one was very like introspective and like, we were really kind of like figuring things out. We didn't know we had just, been shut down and locked down and we're like writing songs about obsolete and about uh anchor and about you know timeless and kind of like a certain feeling or vibe and as we kind of completed that the shift went to a darker more angry more emotional more visceral vibe and then as we got out of that we're like well shoot man we can't live in the darkness forever you know we can't just the, you, I, I don't know. There's only so many songs you can write about hurt and sorrow, and <laughs> I mean, shit. I don't know. I guess for me personally, but then it was like for the for the third one, we wanted to kind of move forward. Like, how do you move forward out of like the the depths of how you feel and how like how I guess like your your mental understanding of everything. Like, how do you understand what you just experienced when you've been to the bottom of a dark hole. You know what I mean? Like, how do you change from that? And that was kind of like the third one that I think really bridges the ethereal and the heavy, which is kind of what the first two were. So it was kind of on purpose, but it was as we were working, we were realizing, wow, we're really creating like these different feelings of how we're actually feeling. And then when when we're faced with like moving moving on and moving forward from those feelings, how do we feel after that? And it's kind of like that, I guess it's that journey and our fans got to experience that with us step-by-step all year, really, which given any other year, I don't know how that could have happened if we all weren't, you know, sitting around and and needing, needing something real, needing something like visceral. It feels good to actually, for us personally, to finally have like the piece of work that reflects where we were. And like, almost like kind of scary journey at the time because everything was everything was changing at all all times and nothing felt safe and so we were like shit what does feel safe is music and what does feel safe is working on this stuff and if we can't hang out on the tour bus where we normally do and write music in the back lounge well let's turn a zoom and a twitch room into a hangout and like you know make it fun and make it feel like it's how it would be because normally when we 're making music and we 're in the studio we're having a good time we're enjoying ourselves it's it's super sick, you know what I mean to be able to actually find like record stuff so now it just kind of like open ended it a little bit longer than uh, than what it would have been had we had like a time frame in a studio or something like that, so the project felt a lot big grander I guess because the scope was over more time uh,
2: I want to ask about self producing um sure. which i'll see if he can join us for that, but you guys yeah, have,
1: he's the he's the genius,
2: yeah <laughs> well, you can maybe do your best to to well actually yeah, I'll, I'll I'll ask um yeah, well, let's just talk about that um so you guys have worked with a lot of you know big producers, you know Joey and Ben death and you know like big producers, big budgets, like great studios, all that stuff, so to you know make the choice to self produce is a pretty big change for you guys that you've worked sure, with absolutely. some of the biggest best people what made you sort of make that choice and also have the belief that you could do it
1: um it, it definitely came from the experiences with those producers like you said i mean those we had some of the best coaches in the entire music industry for our for rock and metal music you know so we really like, we learn so much from our producers and really any collaborator we work with, it it really feels like, especially when it's music, it really feels like they're part of the family, you know what I mean? So I think that uh, in the past, you know, we've, we've been able to pick up a lot from, from that and realizing, you know, what's a good take, what's Mm -hmm. not a good take, you know what I mean? Like we've done the, we've done the boot camps, we've done the time and time again, actually, and you know, for the first time, it felt real like real exciting to think that we were going to get to do it ourselves and what kind of sent it off was we would turn in our demos, and our management would think they were finished like they're yeah. like, "Oh, sick, you guys got them done and we're like, what these are demos, dude <laughs> and he's like, "Oh man, they sound amazing," and we were like, "Well, shoot, what if we refine it a little more? What if we signed to this new label sharp tone and and what if we produce this record ourselves and we don't even know what's going to go on. We can't go into a studio. We can't do that. So let's like, let's jump off that bridge. And Aaron has a lot of experience in the past producing albums and mixing albums. He mixed our live album and he's mixed numerous records. And really, you know, it was, it was something that, that he felt comfortable enough to not only entrust with us for the performances and everything, but, trusting his skills to be brought to the forefront and i think one of the most interesting things i've heard uh, on this whole album cycle and i worked with aaron all the time but hearing his uh urm academy uh nail the mix thing was just shout whole... out
2: shout out to my company
1: yeah <laughs> dude yep. i mean it, that was my first experience with that company i signed up i got the stuff i tried it out and like that was so cool and and it's it's so interesting to know that now we live in a time where this used to be impossible Mm -hmm. you know or if it was possible it wouldn't sound up to what the standards are and i think with technology now we were ready and agreed as a group to kind of like take the leap and let's let's dial in everything and make sure that we're that that as if we are being recorded by a producer but we're the producers you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so we need to make sure that we're challenging ourselves and then on the technical side aaron really came in and finessed just i
2: think we've got him back to, by the way
1: yeah, here. To, hello awesome yeah aaron's here yeah so he we're so i was up. just
2: talking about sort of or i was asking about the decision to self-produce so you came back at a good time tell me about that you know you guys have been in the studio with some of the some of the best in the business so it was quite a high bar for you to clear and you did tell me about the experience of producing these
0: a lot of our pre-production and a lot of the ways that we would tackle making an album in the past, it would always start with pretty thorough demoing and pre-production. When we got, which not
2: everyone does, by the way, lots of people show up at the studio with nothing recorded. So that's,
0: it is is very true. Um, (laughs) And we have a lot, you know, basically we're all dog guys. Like we're all sort of handy with logic and we can create demos and send them to each other and whatnot and work off templates Um, you know, I, I think our thought was worst case scenario, if, you know, we'll take an honest shot at it, you know, applying everything that we've learned about, um, record making and worst case scenario, we have really good sounding pre-pro and we can go somewhere (laughs) and re-record it. But it was very freeing in a way, because I think it it allowed everybody, not only freedom of access to the projects, you know, you can work on it at two in the morning if you can't sleep and you're not just locked out of a studio somewhere. Uh, And at the same time, it sort of allowed for a lot of creative freedom because uh, we knew that if we were going to invest any amount of time into experimenting with different things, that we weren't really wasting a producer's time by Mm -hmm. not coming to the studio fully prepared. And that's sort of the difference, I think, when you're self-producing versus working with a producer is...
2: The wrath of Bendeth.
0: Well, just, it's it's not even that. It's just, you want to... The producer's job is to make sure that the album is assembled. And so you want to just give them the parts... And then get out of the way, you know, so you want to come to the studio prepared, whereas when we're self producing, it's it's a lot of, you know, it's almost like watercolor where you can just sort of uh, keep adding colors to it or add water and wash it out, you know, you can sort of change and manipulate things as you go along. And it ends up being a process where the initial pre production is the actual skeleton of the finalized version of it, you know, just and so and you
2: you guys recorded everything yourselves on these even the drums that's very impressive i mean for anybody who doesn't know i mean that's to do like you guys can't put out an album that doesn't sound great you know what i mean like that's not an option so to record all like recording drums is really fucking hard in particular so you know the fact that you guys were able to do that is really really impressive like i i didn't know that you were that good like honestly i like i'm i'm super impressed
1: thank you so much i feel like with the tools and technology now, I mean, because we were forced to stay at home in our apartments and work on stuff, I dug into all the different drum softwares and I got it hooked up to my Roland E kit. And I, I, I kind of made an album in the future. You know what I mean? Like for a drummer, that's like traditionally, traditionally taught in the sense of like, you know, you got to, it's the room and it's the, this and it's the, that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what if you're in the future? And what if you can't access these places? What if you can't do all this? Now, try it, you know? And it's sure. something that was a little bit foreign to me. And, and I'll be honest about that. I'm, I'm very, very late to the game because not me, myself being a little bit older, but a little bit old school in that sense where it's like, I don't want to learn all this new stuff. Like, like let's just get in the room, you know what I mean? And let's, let's do that. Well, but-
2: especially for a lot of drummers, you know, they feel like if it's not, you know, miking up the, the kit in a room that that's like fake and that that is somehow like removing them from the process or something, you know, there's yeah. sort of a lot of, um, I don't know if it's not ego, it's, but it's like identity wrapped up in, in that part of the process.
1: I think for a long time, especially working with people like David Bendith, who's, uh, I mean, like known for his drum tones, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was something that I hyper-focused with him so hard. Another another big one, Josh Wilbur. you know, yep. a drummer known for his drum tones, known for his drum mixes, like being able to work with them. And then, you know, if we had the access to everything that we would have wanted to do, we would have gone in, you know, my DW, I would have brought in all the snares. I would have brought in everything because that's part of the fun. But because through necessity, it was forced to be stripped back, I had to check the ego at the door. I had to check everything at the door and be like, yo, you're here. You need to learn this and understand this. And thankfully, Aaron really helped me through a lot of that. And, you know, we really with a fine tooth comb, which I've I've also never done in my life, really dialed in the drum tones or anything, because you do that. You trust the producer for that. You know, you get your kit in there. You're paying for the 35 microphones and they're all (laughs) from Europe and everywhere else you know what i mean you don't have names you can't pronounce yeah it's like like, you don't hit them and i feel so grateful to have had those those processes and and to learn all that but at the same time if that if that's not there how are we going to make music how are we gonna write and so for me it was just like a a fun and interesting challenging experience to like check the ego at the door and let's just do this we got a record to make we got songs to write uh make sure I have all the pads for my bells and my, and this and that, and making mm-hmm. sure that it was true to how I play and how I perform. And it was a fun process that I would totally do it again. You know what I mean? It was, it was super empowering to get to do that. Cause again, like I said, a lot of that's left up to the producer and a lot of that's, that's why you go there is they have the ear, they have that sound. Like I like to hit things hard and I, I it was only until the last five years that I even thought of drums as like a musical instrument, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and playing it musically and using different percussive instruments and sounds and uh, rhythms and stuff like that. So it it was a it was a fun process, and through it all, we got to be so meticulous that I mean, we love what we came out with, and it still like blows our mind that it sounds as good as it does, knowing that some of it came from being recorded on a 2012 MacBook. Right. You know what I mean? like, well,
2: hey, dude, people make great records on shittier equipment than that, you know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, totally.
2: So well, it was just Aaron, what were, what were some of the most challenging parts for you as a producer?
0: Um. To be honest, it, I wouldn't say there were tons of challenges. I think there was so much um, creative symbiosis between all of us and between what we all sort of were excited by as we're writing these EPs and songs probably the most challenging thing is getting everybody together on a zoom call and then having zoom not crash (laughs) (laughs) honestly some of the most challenging um that was probably some of the most challenging things was was how streaming and routing audio and things like that go um but as far as the actual creative process i wouldn't say it was tremendously challenging if anything we were just really excited off what everybody was bringing to the table and um there wasn't even a lot of friction it, it's not even a, a, a like an exciting story to tell in the right was, so there was so much tension and friction and you know from like, that came, come, came the fire like those documentaries <laughs> from the
2: 70s where they show everyone there's a montage of the band in the studio like chain smoking and swiping the sweat off their brow and you know pacing in the parking lot no, it
0: was, it was honestly, it was just a lot of fun. And there was a lot of um, genuine excitement when anybody would come up with something that would make all of our ears perk up and just those moments of pieces becoming greater than the sum of their parts when you hear a melody and a counter melody or a rhythm or a lot of the songs we would have just very basic demo MIDI drums to um, uh, to structure them out. And then Tino would actually send his drum tracks and it would just bring so much life to it. And I feel like everybody got to really put themselves and pour themselves into the work of creating it themselves. I think there's something special about being the person that also, you know, pushes the button. And everybody did that, and everybody uh, came to the table. So was, I, don't, I, I don't really know what the what the biggest challenge was, other than the than the tech, you know.
2: Well, it probably speaks to your experience as a band because a lot of bands would not be able to pull this off for for various reasons. Like for one, just the lack of you know, knowledge and skill. But for a lot of people, like they need a producer to drive the process and tell them what to do. And, you know, you leave it, it's like you let the kids eat, you know, pick what they want for dinner and they're gonna choose ice cream. And so they end up like spending forever and with a bunch of self-indulgent bullshit and songs that are too long and blah, blah, blah. All those things that the producer is there to kind of help you avoid. A lot of bands would kind of fall into that. So I think it says just a lot about your maturity as as musicians that you you know, didn't go down any of those paths.
0: And I think, you know, I think we have a really constructive way of nobody ever says they don't like something. And, and it's been a really long time, I think, since any of us have ever said something about a part where it's like, no, I don't like that. It's always, what if we try this? And we try everybody's ideas about everything. And we always end up with whatever the best, you know, part is or whatever the best transition or effect or anything that we might be discussing. And I think a lot of that has to do with our time with David Bendeth and learning just how to communicate constructively with one another. You know, if you're a bunch of people with creative ideas and visions and you want everybody to get the most out of it that they can, you know, ideally you want everybody to get everything out of it. And I think when you work constructively, especially when you've been doing it, I think as long as we have, I think that's really the core of it. And that's probably why there's really no friction or anything like that. eastern. And you can listen at 2020-d.com, soundtalentmedia.com or on your favorite podcast app.
2: Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musician's Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. Within the four walls of the Musician's Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music
0: in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.
2: Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I've noticed a lot of rock people think of songwriting as something you do on a guitar, as opposed to um, people from pop would start writing maybe on piano and they'd be thinking about just sketching out a chord progression where the the vocal melody is the 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 skeleton of the song sort of. And then you would flesh out the, you know, instrumental arrangement underneath that. I'm very interested in that, especially because, you know, you guys had a period, I would say you guys have done both of those things. You know, the early stuff was more riffy and then the, the Bendeth, like rock stuff was more about, you know, the top lines. Um, where, how do you guys think about songwriting uh, in, in regards to like instruments versus vocals these days? Where do you start and, and how do you balance those things?
0: Uh, this whole record was done uh, instrumental first,
2: and and typically
0: that's what we would do. Even even with an, uh, a top line in mind, it was we would always start with the music first, and we would put as much of whatever emotional content or whatever we're trying to put into what we're creating at the time. We would really try and capture that in the music before we would do anything with um, either lyrics or melodies. Uh, I I can't really recall a time where we started the other way around and it was successful. It can can be really frustrating because I think all of us express ourselves musically first. Even myself, I don't really think of... I always think of songwriting in terms of writing music first. And then my whole objective with vocals is to not ruin it or get in the way.
2: (laughs) It's interesting to hear that because... I listened to a song like, uh, what is it? Mushroom cloud. Is that the name of it? That is such a, like, str- like to me, I would have guessed that that, you know, the three, two, one, like that, that phrase would have come first. Mm-hmm. And, and then you would have written a song around that.
0: Nope. Tino sent that instrumental in. And <clears throat> I, I probably chewed on that one for,
1: yeah, that's a great, that's budget. a great example because with the instrumentals, it kind of like, it sets the, uh, sets the tone of what the song is going to be like if there's when you get an instrumental like mushroom cloud it's not there's only one way to go you know what i mean like it's so heavy it's so in your face it's kind of like it it kind of sets this sets the stage really for what the lyric is going because you know that's what really between the music the dance between the music and the lyrics is really kind of like what moves the song along and because we think of it that way, like how the stage is set at the beginning of what the song is going to be about, that kind of lends itself to those moments. And I'll never forget when AP sent over the, his demo back with those lyrics and I fucking lost it, dude. I was like, yeah, that it's is great. Genius. It's perfect. So I was like, oh, my God, dude, are you how did you even I was like, that's why I'm so A, surprised to find okay? out that it was written instrumentally <laughs> was like, first. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, are you OK? So you need to talk. B, (laughs) holy shit, dude. Like this is like, how did you even come up with that? And, And and just like that, he is like, it's just a it's a fucking atomic bomb. Like that's what I feel is I feel like I'm going to explode. And it's and that I think that's the really cool thing about our music is it starts at it starts in one place and really develops somewhere else, which is really cool because you can you never really know. And that's kind of the fun part of writing songs and writing them at a certain point in time and, and encapsulating that because it becomes something seriously special.
2: Well, you guys, you know, you're, you're 12 years into this thing now, I think, which is yeah. a while, you know, I still think of, of Mice and Men as a newer band because I'm old, um, but you're not, you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> at all. Uh, well, and we're old and too now. Yeah. Yeah. The band has <laughs> changed a lot, you know, but it, it, it feels like you guys are um very comfortable with who you are now yeah
0: Yeah, thank you yeah you know i i I, honestly i think it's just you do something for so long a certain way and then you're forced to kind of stop and retrain your focus and retrain your perspective takes exercising a lot of gratitude i think too you know um it's uh It's a joy and a pleasure. I look forward to it every time we get together to work on music because I just know something cool is going to happen and something's going to excite me and something's going to um, give me that same feeling I got playing with my first band, you know, with my friends in the garage. And this was very, this was as close to making music that way, I think, as you could get because it was just the four of us, you know, it was the four of us just in a digital garage. There was nobody telling us what was going to be good or not, but it was I think sort of an exercise in not only refining our decision making with songwriting and where to take our creative, like our creativity, but, you know, it was just, it was just writing songs, just writing songs about what we were going through.
2: Do you guys, do you see yourselves doing things this way in the future or are you going to go back to a studio or what do you think?
0: I'd like to get back with the boys. Tbh, you know, Zoom is yeah, not. Nice. Sure. It's 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 nice to know that we could do this, but I could definitely see us doing this, but in person.
1: I mean, you know, wh- wh-
0: up up until a few weeks ago, we hadn't seen each other in since February 2020.
2: Oh wow!
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we made this whole thing without ever seeing each other. Wow, being in the same room. Yeah, I miss the camaraderie of that. But well, to know- would you
2: would you still plan on producing and mixing it yourself?
0: I'd like to, yeah. I had a lot of fun doing it. It was a tremendous amount of work. It was by far like the most work I think I've ever put into anything in my life, but I really enjoyed it. And I felt a very deep connection, not just to my bandmates and to our fans, but also just to the process. And I felt like I really sort of reconnected with why I ever wanted to be in a band in the first place. And it was to write my own songs because music you know, it affected me like that. It was sort of my most effective way of communicating with the world. So I'd like to, I'd like to do it again. We'll see if I get the gig.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Right. No, dude. Hell yeah. It was such a cool process and, and out of necessity, you know what I mean? And I think knowing that we can do this is, it's pretty insane, you know, and it, and it came from, like you were saying earlier, it came, not dude, we paced around parking lots and everything, you know, we've, we've experienced a lot of that together, you know, and we've gone through those struggles together. And, and I think because of that, we are able to communicate better, be more mature about things, you know, be more um, constructive and channel our energy into what is actually important, as opposed to like super nice surroundings or like, you know, yeah. a super nice studio or, or what's for lunch what or what they have know, in the what's lounge. Yeah, man, it's like it. it it's kind of crazy, so you can pay crazy, fucking
2: three grand a day.
1: Yeah, uh, dude, can't wait. At the minimum, like yeah. some of our budgets have been so crazy. You know what I mean? I mean, and, you must
2: have saved a fuckload of money on oh, this. Oh
1: man, we 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 shan't discuss <laughs> those things. But I mean, dude, it no it, problem. It really, yeah. yeah it, it really yeah. was <laughs> but there was a time and place for that you know we yeah. wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't spend the money and do all those things in the past totally and that's not because, to at all
2: discount you know any of, of the course, people we worked with or anything it's just course, like it not is a reality that one of the you know benefits to this is like that is cheaper
1: is you're not spending six figures on a recording yeah. studio alone right well and
0: even if we wanted to at the time the place where we had done earth and sky had closed uh or had sold rather um and at the time that we were starting, nobody was going to feel good about having other people in their home. It was like basically right at the start of the lockdown. Right. So it was sort of born out of necessity, but then it quickly turned into a, just a full-blown passion project.
2: And, and what's, what makes me really happy to see is that people really like what you guys have been doing in the past few years. And that, that makes me really happy. Like people are really, really into it.
1: Yeah, thank you, dude. That rules. It's awesome. Yeah. It feels that way. It feels like we're communicating well with our audience, you know, and, and it's something that we truly enjoy. So it feels natural, you know, like, I mean, even dude, shout out to Twitch, shout out to all of our, I I see them in the chat there. You know what I mean? Like these people were there with us that helped us, you know, and that we, we listen and, and our fans know that we're not doing things specifically for, Oh, you told me to change this breakdown. So I'm doing it." it. It's not that it's just, It's the communication of like, oh, wow, you get like, we get to share that exciting feeling of stumbling, grabbing a riff out of thin air, grabbing a part out of thin air and just being like, this didn't exist five minutes ago and somebody else was there to witness that. And it's like, it's a really like a humbling thing to know that we're speaking the same language as our audience because what excites us excites them. And like, and we're we're still so trying to figure out life and being human and being let me know when you figure it out (laughs) like it's like shit is not figured out but what we can figure out is our music and how we communicate and and i I really think it starts within the band and we really you know our group text is always going and we're always communicating and with our team and everybody involved you know we're very hands-on with our life in this band and and it's come from just living through it, you know, and, and experiencing every album and every tour and every single, every single like exciting thing and every single terrible thing, you know, and, and then getting sidelined and us really like, well, let's hang out on zoom. Like we need to talk, like we got to hang out. Like it was like so necessary for us to get together when, you know, we've really created a really strong bond. And so to be able to find that virtually, and to be able to communicate that way and then have it be with our fans and know that the music we're putting out is true to us, exciting to us and in turn excites the fans. That's just, dude, that's everything, man. Like the fact that we can still do that is incredible, but it's because we listen too, you know, and we love, and we're always listening to new music and always like having fun with our genre, you know, not our genre, but like, You know, metalcore. Our genre, genre, but like you know, metalcore is pretty niche. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty like in its own vein, and it's and it kind of changes over time, and it's kind of fun to mature with it and to have fun with it. And as cliche as maturing with it sounds, we're we're in our thirties now. You know, well, it would be pretty
2: sad if you were still the same person you were twelve years ago.
1: Yeah, man, no way. So. Yeah, it was a, a great process and I don't know, we'll we'll see what happens next because, you know, as things continue to change and whatnot, like we're still kind of like in the realm of of what we're releasing now and we're kind of always working on other music too. But again, that that kind of stays in the realm of us always kind of working on stuff and communicating and being excited about riffs and being like, yo, throw, throw some sauce on this, dude, check this out, you know, mix this. Let's put this part in there and kind of like that 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 is always going for us. So it just kind of feels natural that like, oh damn. So now we could put these songs out and like the label gets stoked. Like right. we're proud of that. That's pretty incredible that like that it that it can be of that caliber and that it, then it's us. <laughs> well Sharp Sharp
2: Chum is very forward thinking and embraces that kind of stuff that maybe some other people wouldn't. So, you know, it's it's fortunate that you've got the right partners.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah and And that was not only their allowance in being on board with us doing it, but their their genuine excitement about trying something different. that was part of the reason we signed with them. That was something we talked yeah. to them about literally in the very first meeting we had, and they were excited about it, and we're like, all right, that's let's go. you know the rest and the rest is history, as they say,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like all this pandemic stuff from talking to the people I know and observing people and stuff, it really kind of put people into two camps. There's the one camp of of people, meaning, you know, musicians who just sort of froze like deer in the headlights and just put everything they do on pause, hoping that stuff would go back to normal soon. And those people did not do well. And then there's the second group of people like yourselves and everyone else that was like, all right, well, I guess this is the new normal for a while what are we going to do with this? And those people embraced it and tried new things. And I think a lot of people told me like, man, 2020 was my best year.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of the plank in the middle of the ocean. And I don't really know what else we would have clung to, you know, for us, creating music is as therapeutic as it is necessary for us to feed ourselves and our families. You know, it was sort of, The only thing we were going to be doing, you know, I think at the time we had some touring planned for the summer of 2020, but for the most part, everything got put on hold and we went to what we knew, which was let's create music, you know, and and there wasn't really a ton of expectations until we had sort of got towards finishing the first EP and we're like, all right let's let's keep going. And I feel like every with every new EP came a new opportunity to try and work harder and to, you know, do more and to uh, sort of expand and expand on our own creativity and just sort of push our own boundaries and push ourselves out of our comfort zone.
1: You know, it really made us like brought it back to basics of like, what is this all about? Like, what are what what are we here to do? Like, are we here to go on tour and Perform on stage and be entertainers, or are we songwriters and are we writing about our life? And are we like, you know, like what is it that we do? And so it really kind of made us refocus where, it, you know, it seems like in modern day before 2020, which is going to be so crazy to say for the next 10 years, I'm sure. Yeah. But pre then, you know, it was all about the tours and it was all about the fest and all about everything. And it's just so do this and get there and fly here and do like it, you know, the touring schedule was pretty crazy because it was possible to overextend yourself. And I think now
2: you guys toured your fucking balls off from like day one.
1: Dude. Yeah. I remember in like 2010,
2: I was like, holy shit. These guys are playing a lot of shows.
1: Yeah, man. That's, and that's always been a big MO, you know, like the, the freight trains rolling. It's always going. We have always had tours booked. We've always had our years booked in advance. You know, we, but you're probably
2: spending 10 months a year on the road.
1: Uh, yep, <laughs> I think which is 20, insane 20, 2010 or twenty eleven. We were one of the top five most toured bands with uh two hundred and some two hundred ninety <sighs> days out of the year, almost three hundred days. I
0: think, I think that was twenty twelve into twenty thirteen. That's
1: what it was. <laughs> and, yeah, and the I only mean, I dude, think
0: there was one. There was only one band that played more shows than we did that year, and it was the 1975. the nineteen seventy five. And they they somehow played like thirty more shows than we did. Wow. That band was that band was on tour like 270 something days. Yeah. That is and what's cool. funny is we actually ran into them at like a handful of festivals
2: and touring yeah. is fun and everything, but that kind of a pace is fucking grueling just physically yeah, it, and it's, mentally yeah, grueling. It's
1: hard as a human being to put that many miles on your body. We didn't realize that though, at the time, you know, because we thought that's what it was like the, the tools were the tool to get the album out there, you know, and to get everything, it was just different times and it felt it felt like if you if we weren't doing that we were like hosing ourselves you know what yeah. i mean it felt like oh shit like if we're not if we're not on the road that many days out of the year we're doing not only our ourselves a disservice but our fans because we got to be out there and it's, it was so kind of like you're not um, playing that night somebody else is going to be playing yeah yeah and night. it was weird that it that it had taken a focus where realizing it was like man like that 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 is some people's whole bag, you know, it, it is all touring, you know what I mean? And it is something like that. And so what happens if that goes away and it may not come back for years, Yeah, you know, And we were like, well, shoot, now it's back to basics. Like, thankfully we we really felt like we would be one of the bands to come out of this. No problem because we're always writing because we're always kind of like keeping the creativity going. And we had signed with sharp tone, uh, about, what was it like four months before the pandemic happened. So we all had like a laugh, like, yeah, we got them. (laughs) (laughs) Everything shut down. And, uh, (laughs) Joke's on you. Yeah. But, but ultimately it ended up being awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's sink or swim, you know, and we, because we've been able to hone our craft for so long and because when it, when everything was kind of taken away, it was like, all right, what, what do we do best? let's write some freaking metalcore bangers. Like yeah. let's have fun with this. Let's do all the things that we couldn't do before. Like write the crazy drum parts that most producers are like, dude, you don't need all that. Like the vocals are going, they're sending it. You know what I mean? And just from stuff like that to crazy sounds and t- removing parts and making stuff change. Like we felt like we were really in control of that. And our creativity was really flowing where, you know, not, not many bands, I guess, are able to do that in the same way but I guess that's kind of what makes us special and what I like most about our band too is our ability to do those things and remain creative during times when it's not like the traditional sense of okay we're going away to write I don't think we've right. ever like done that it's always been like yo I'm, I'm really vibing with this here check this out and it's like whoa all right let me let me check this out let me work on some of this and then it's kind of like an ongoing, an ongoing project as opposed to, all right, let's get started. Time to record. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to
2: ask about another thing which uh, we talked about before, but I- I've noticed. I mean, I've seen it in the chat here. A lot of love these days for Jamie's Elsewhere and Lower Definition, which is
1: <laughs> that's crazy. It's kind of cool to
2: see. How do you guys feel? A lot of people ask me about those bands, like a lot. And how do you how do you feel about you know getting some love for the old days like that now?
0: Old as shit, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh
0: no, it's awesome. Uh those were the days of literally creating songs as just in a pure expression of yourself and whatever you're going through. And there was no thought of any legacy or future or anything with any of that music. And the fact that, you know. 10 years later, 15 years later, it can still find its way to people. You know, the age old cliche is music is the universal language. We use language to communicate. The fact that somebody can find a very um, immature and honest and raw expression of yourself 10 years down the line, it, it's, it's like the closest thing to like a message in the bottle, like finding one wash up on the beach, you know, and every now and again, somebody, somebody will come up and, and say something about it, about like, Oh, I, I just recently discovered this. And it's a, it's a trip. It just, uh, it it always, always makes me grateful for the, uh, makes me grateful for the journey, man. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, but for real, that's like, that's probably as concise as I can put it. Is it, it's, It just feels like someone finds your message in a bottle and writes you back and you're like, holy shit, someone found, you know, someone found this Uh, because there was never, I don't know, I don't know, Tino, did you ever think about any future with any of it? It And and that
1: actually goes back to what we were just talking about was, wasn't it hurry up and record to hurry up and get on whatever tour you could to like, get out there and get in the van and like, get to the venue and, and eat cold shitty pizza and like, but you played, you know what I mean? You went out there and you, you showed you showed what you were and what you had to offer and what this like hardcore scene was about. Cause there's so many different like factions, but you know what I mean? Like the stuff that inspired us made us want to get in a van and, and hang out with our friends and work on music and, and do all that. And I think the fact that we're able to do that with bands from our like early, early stages, like lower definition was my band in high school. That's from like early two thousands. So like we're like super vintage. And I remember handing out demos in the quad at lunch, you know, and people were like, "Oh my god! Like, are you guys like black metal or something?" And I was like, at the time, that's what it probably sounded like. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're just bad. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a crazy journey with that, and knowing that 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 music resonates with people from that time, and then being able to create new music and have it still kind of resonate with the audience. I think, I think we couldn't have done this at, at another time. You know what I mean? That like, we've, we've had to have um, made some records and, and done some things and, and there had to be some time before we were all of us able to, I guess, revisit that chapter and to be able to do something with meaning that felt like, you know, that felt honest for it. That's not like a, I, I don't know. that that wouldn't be just something for like, uh, reissuing or, you know, whatever that it was like, well, we still have something to say. There's still some creativity that we want to explore. And, uh, I know it's been a joy because Aaron's been mixing and mastering that too. And so getting to work with him on and who I've become so incredibly close with, like Aaron and I talk basically all day, every day, and to be able to work on our musical projects, you know, like that, it's like, it's super cool, dude. And, And it's, it's different parts of life that have kind of like come back and are And with music, it keeps it all related and it keeps it all fun and, and exciting
0: for the record. New lower D is so fire. (laughs) It is so fire. I love it so much. And I enjoy
1: working on it. It's fun, dude. It's just sick. It's being creative is awesome. And writing music is sick. (laughs)
2: <laughs> cool. Well, that sounds like uh, a good note to end things on. Thanks again for joining me on the eve of the EP release. Uh, any words of wisdom or anything else you want to leave for uh, the folks before I let you go? I want to thank you for uh, yeah.
0: not only just like covering our band and, and championing us in our music. But for all you do for music, and for for sharing so much about the history of the scene, and for just being a generally good, positive, creative force in the
1: scene, Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for your work. I yeah, appreciate seriously. That. It's it's a pleasure to have the interview, and it's you know it's a pleasure to have you along for the journey. You know we've we've gotten to talk a couple of times, and you know you've lived it. You've been there. We've been there. You know we've we've kind of all seen it from our own ways of growing up and, and being engaged. But like, we love this music forever. You know what I mean? This is not a phase mom. You know what I mean? But like we're now old enough to where, yeah, no, we, we said it wasn't and we're still here. And it's something that's really meaningful to us to have people that are in our circle that, that, you know, we enjoy talking to, that we enjoy hanging with. That know, you know, the history and that know, like, yeah, back then in the early metalcore days and I, stuff. I like forget that.
2: if like, I told you this, but I, I wrote, I did a, a story for Substream like ten years ago when Jerry was the singer for Five Minutes. <laughs> oh my
1: god, I remember you bringing something <laughs> like that up, dude. Yeah, That's awesome. So
2: and you know that was ten years ago, and here we are. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, man. Well, yeah, dude. Thank you so much. And our album Echo is, woo, it's about to be out. And thank you to your viewers for tuning in. All right. Yeah, thanks to the viewers and listeners.
2: Good luck and uh, talk to you soon.
1: All right, my friends,
2: that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time.